You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 741 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I'm your host, Brad Rowland. It is Thursday evening, and joining me for the first time in a while, but uh, someone who I would, uh, I've been looking forward to talking to for quite some time about the NBA draft, it is Ben Pfeiffer. Hello, sir. Uh, hey, Brad. How's it going? Uh, thank you for having me on. I've been excited for this. It's Can't my... get enough talking about the draft. So Yeah, it's my pleasure. We, uh, we, we talked last year in advance of the draft, and uh, now you are a uh, full-blown podcaster on a regular basis over at Prep to Pro, so people should be subscribing to that, right? Yes, they. Yes, they should go sub. They should go sub to the Prep to Pro pod. It's pretty solid, if you ask me. I enjoy it. I have listened to all of them. Uh, however many there uh, have been so far, uh, what four, five, six, something like that. Um, we are, uh, yeah, six so far. Six. There you go. I've listened to all of them, and uh, I recommend that at the top of the podcast. But uh, as you probably expect, by well, clicking on this and listening to what, what our uh, tee up was there, NBA draft talk today, and. Um, I told Ben offline we're gonna we're gonna do something in reverse order here. I've been mostly having guests wait until the end of the podcast to talk about the lottery, but we're gonna dive in to the top guys right out right out of the gate here on a Thursday into a Friday morning. So, uh, first of all, uh, I know this because I have, I have access to your uh, private slash uh, maybe public big board. But uh, who who is your what's sort of your top tier in this draft? And even before even beyond that, like what do you make of what everyone, including uh, including myself, has said about this draft not being the best the best at the top? I mean, yeah, like it's not a great draft. Everybody knows that. Like you said, there there are no like franchise altering talents in this class. Um, even the top, like the order is pretty murky. Like. My like my second tier is like five through fourteen, and they're all basically interchangeable. You could scramble the order, and I wouldn't like complain. Um, it, it was kind of like that last year, but see with the second tier. But yeah, this it, it's really fluid there. But there are certainly good players, and I think an important thing to note with this draft was just like the way it seems that the NBA values certain players. Um, that there's going to be a lot of really good values throughout the draft for teams that are privy to like. Good scouting, I guess. Um, I'm definitely interested to see how that plays out, especially with no like pre-draft workouts and and no like excuses for like the Bulls to see some <laughs> athletic to see some athletic wing once in their gym and take him in the top five. Um, so I, I wonder how that's going to affect teams. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of value. And like I said, I, I mean, a lot a lot of underclassmen are going to inevitably return but like as it is this is a fairly deep draft with like good players and like I, I like this draft seems like quite a bit deeper than last year's to me in terms of just like quality guys because I, I i mean in the last draft like i'm a crazy person who ranks like all the way to, like far past 100 because i'm insane but like in the last draft i i get to 75 and be like okay there's nobody good here but like I, i'm at 100 and like like i'll get to like 105 and be like okay this guy could be at 70 i mean it's a pretty deep in terms of like guys who could be like rotation pieces and that, that has value even if there's no like top top really great talents yeah I, i've been arguing for a while now that you know if you just kind of ignore the very very top this draft is not bad it's it's the problem is that there's not there's not that top tier in the way that there has been in certain it's not i'm not saying this is the greatest draft in the world but like the notion of this being a bad draft is at least in my opinion mostly tied to there just not being 
top tier guys. I think it's fairly normal after that. Would you agree or am I wrong about this? Yeah, I think it's a pretty normal draft. I mean, like, it's certainly a bad draft. Like, I think that's true because, like, the important thing is the star power. Sure. But, yeah, yes. like, like, <laughs> like, it's fairly normal. Like, after, like, it's not outlier terrible after like just the total lack of good players i mean yeah no it's not too bad that, that's that's kind of what i mean i mean obviously you can't lop off the top five or however you want to say that but if you did and try and just compare this like you know from eight to 60 i think this is a fairly normal draft it's not anything special by any means but it's not anything crazy either yeah. um before we get into the deep uh, recesses, because I know you are you are a diehard, uh, much more than I am even, and I, I like to think of myself as a draft diehard, you rank this stuff, uh, I would say, to a certainly more depth level than I have. But, at the top, the Hawks, we don't know where they're going to be picking, that's kind of the weird part about this, is uh, in addition to not knowing when the draft's going to be, or anything about pre-draft workouts, the Hawks are in this range where they could be picking number one, you know, fairly easily, or they could be picking number eight fairly easily. So there's a lot of weirdness there. Um, we'll talk about the top now, though. And interesting to point out, at least for me, I've been saying this for a while, but my, my Hawks board is different than my actual board, um, which because, uh, and a lot of that is just Trey Young based for the most part, because uh, I think if you evaluate certain players at point guard, you may not want to take them with Trey Young already on your roster because Trey is that kind of special player. But um, first, before we get into your board, um, is that, how would you sort of approach this for the Hawks? I know you, I know you pay attention to the NBA as well, and you have uh, an eye on what the Hawks are doing in general. How would you sort of shift your board if you were the Hawks compared to a normal uh, sort of in a vacuum big board? Yeah, I think I generally agree with you is that like building around Trey is what you want. So I'm probably not going to take like another small point guard with defensive questions. So like apologies to Cole Anthony, who I'm a big fan of, like probably wouldn't be as high on my Hawks board because I worry about the the fit with Trey. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that um, like if you don't buy Trey as this like guy who can be the the number one on the championship um, offense, which like I think there's a case for that, that you go for someone who can, but there's nobody in this draft who who has a better shot at that than Trey, at least in my opinion. So yeah, I definitely agree with your with your sentiment there that for the Hawks drafting high is you want guys who can scale with Trey. That's like the only qualifier. Otherwise, I think like the general just draft good players things thing applies. <laughs> but yeah, I think Trey is good enough to the point where he can be fit dependent. Like especially like you want guys that who, who can scale with him offensively, but you also need guys who can cover him defensively, and that's an important point. So yeah, I think my Hawks board, as we'll get into, would look different than my draft board. I don't have like a expressly written out Hawks board, sure. but I have ideas. <laughs> there are guys who I definitely prefer um, for the Hawks and other guys. So. Yeah, I, I generally think that, you know, Trey, even if, um, for instance, if you were someone evaluating the whole league and you weren't the hugest Trey believer, you know, even if you just, I think you kind of have to remove that and realize that the Hawks are obviously building around Trey, and I think that yeah. is their plan. So in a realistic place, even if you, even if you didn't believe in Trey, um, in the real world, the Hawks are doing that. Um, so they have to kind of factor in, in terms of NBA, NBA draft discussion, what they want to do around him. And there are certain other fit things that would come into play, but he's the only guy that definitively they're going to worry about in terms of uh, building their roster, I think. Um, all right, with that out of the way, uh, what is your top tier right now? And that's interesting because I think uh, generally, I think the top tier of people that I've talked to most, you know, it's generally the same, but there are usually one or two uh, either inclusions or exclusions. So what is your, what is your top tier looking like right now? Yeah, so my tier is in order. We have my top is Lamelo, and then Anthony Edwards, then Killian Hayes, then Tyrese Maxey is my top here, top tier, and those four are all very close. 
and, and I think people are going to be surprised to hear Maxi. I'm not because I uh, listen to your podcast and follow you. But um, let's talk about him first because he is the name that I think would not be in everybody's top tier. I've always liked Maxi, but uh, you know he was he was certainly had some pluses and minuses this year at Kentucky. So what do you like about him enough to have him up there? Yeah, um, Maxi is a guy for me who I think yeah like. When you're looking at Maxi, you've got to look beyond the Kentucky sample, even though I think looking at the Kentucky sample is a case for a prospect rated highly. And people look at the like the situation where he played where, oh, yeah, he didn't have great stocks or his three point numbers weren't excellent. And that's a case that a lot of people make. And I'm not a person who supports that. Cause, I mean, I think Maxi has a really strong case as like a combo kind of secondary playmaking guard. And I think his primary his primary equity is also a little underrated because, I mean, just like this 6-3 bowling ball of a guard, incredibly strong and super bursty, gets to the rim at will, just the best body control around the rim and strength to finish. He's got like a not tray level, but he's got a pretty close to tray level runner, which is huge for a guy that small. And he's def- and though he's, though he's shooting, his raw shooting numbers weren't great. He shot 83% from the line this year. And he's a, like you said, great runner shooter, evidently great touch. And he shoots from deep, shoots off movement. And also, I think an important note for Maxi is that, like, and this is like where that, like, I'm not sure if you've seen the, the Mike Schmitz video where he breaks down film with Maxi. Yeah, it's that su- super instructive content. Like what like how, how Maxi's talks about how like how how before college he basically never played off ball and he didn't shoot mid-range pull-ups. So I think like he's adapted to a new role quickly and Kentucky has like a storied history of deflating their players' talents. So that's an important <laughs> consideration with Maxi and and segueing that to his passing, which is a criticism a lot of people levy, which is fair. His passing was kind of underwhelming this year, but if you go back to his pre-college sample, his passing was quite a bit better. And and d- defensively, um, like I said, stocks were deflated, but pre-college he was more of an impact team defender, and he's super strong, like you said, laterally quick, um, probably can guard up uh, bigger than his position. And I especially like his fit for Atlanta because I think he's a guy you can play with Trey. Um, I mean, I would say two, two like six, two, six, another six, three-ish shooting guard is probably not super ideal. But Maxi, I, like I said, he can probably guard up, and he's just a really strong all-around offensive guy. And I think he's definitely better to play with Trey than any of the other like really point guard size guys like Cole Anthony, Kyra Lewis. Um, those are the only guys in this range. Maybe Teo Maladon. All of the bigger guys, obviously, is a different conversation. But I think Maxi can really hold up defensively, and he can probably run some offense without Trey, which is like an important thing. I know a lot of Atlanta people and myself included have noticed is that it's like one of the most important questions for Atlanta is how can we not be terrible without Trey? <laughs> and I think Maxi offers you a guy who can play with Trey and a guy who can raise that floor when Trey when Trey sits. So that's just a valuable guy I like, especially for Atlanta. Yeah, it's something I've been saying for a long time is that you know ideally. Um, not that you're talking about him in this way specifically, but ideally, if you're going to have someone who um, can be a backup point guard type for you, maybe if they if you if you had to be, but ideally, you have to have somebody that can play with Trey and without Trey. And I think Maxi obviously is smaller than you would like for that role, but at the same time. I kind of agree with you that he should be able to guard twos. Like, I don't think he can guard much bigger than that, but that's kind of all you need him to do for the most part. And he can also help you cover for Trey. So if you if you play a team um, that has you know a pair of guards and one of them one of them is much more of a threat than the other, you throw Maxi on that guy and have Trey sort of high on the other guy. And there's there's some value and some interchangeability in there. I'm not as high on Maxi as you are, but I think I'm also higher on him than some people are because. 
you know, I'm the first person to admit that I am not the person like you are that's diving so deep into pre-college film, but I saw enough and I follow enough people that I trust to tell me that it was better um, pre-college in a lot of different ways. And I, I kind of liked it coming into the year. There were certain things that, that, that I didn't love on film, but the Kentucky thing sticks with me as well. There's just so many examples of Kentucky kind of, um, maybe not intentionally, but burying guys' value that it's, uh, it, that's sort of been in, in my head too. Like, I, I think, I'm not sure I'd have him in my top tier like you have, but I, I do think that he is uh, certainly a top 10 guy for me and someone who does make sense in Atlanta. Even if you don't, if, if you, if you, if you just see, you know, six two six three guard, you might shy away from that, but he does play a little bigger than that. And he's athletic and physical too. Yeah. And I'll, I'll make the point too, that I think, um, Maxi would be a really good trade trade down target for Atlanta as like I think like I'll probably say this on every pot I ever go on in my own <laughs> uh, like the right move for every team is going to be trade down in this, in this class strong agree one two three <laughs> yeah that, that's going to be the move um to like just do it like New Orleans did last year oh uh, that's just... that's a bad that's a bad subject on this yeah. podcast <laughs> i'm with you though because trust me <laughs> i, I like, came i yeah. came on and criticized right. them heavily for that move, right so. but but yeah so this is let's draft especially i mean i've seen some mocks with maxi at like 16 17 which is just that's like crazy. total totally absurd like it, it's absolute insanity like if the hawks can be back to like eight and and, and get a guy like maxi or like i'm sure like plenty of guys we'll talk about later who are much gonna be much better than than their value so yeah like trade down Maxi is going to be one of the top guys I'd look for in a trade down. Yeah, he's firmly, um, and I'll ask you this again later on, but like there, people always ask me in this scenario is where the Hawks get unlucky in the lottery and they land in that 6-7 range. He would be a guy that I would be certainly trying to look at if I am the Hawks. Not necessarily that you have to take him, but he would be a prime target um, even with that you know non-trade down scenario if the Hawks don't get lucky in the lottery, and they rarely do get lucky in the lottery. Um, they will be there. He'll be in that range, and we'll be talking about him a lot more later on if that's the case. Um, all right, the top three guys I think are you know not a surprising top three for most people. Uh, still, still at this point, Killian Hayes is the one that I think, especially casual fans, know the least about. So, what do you what do you make of him as a prospect, and uh, why do you have him up there? Yeah, so Killian is this like six five um, initiator point guard prospects. Uh, just a super great passer. He's not like Lamelo level good, but he's like really really dang good. Um, he's a really great passer. Um, has made like. Like I said this, I think he's one of the most improved players like across the board this year. I mean, he made serious improvements in terms of his like athletic ability. Like I, I had concerns with his ability to create, and I still have concerns with his ability to create because one of his main downfalls is his lack of first step burst. But like his his ability to change directions with his handle has gotten a lot better, and he's awesome. He's awesome at pick and roll. I mean, he's got awesome touch at the rim, and like I said, he's not bursty, but he's legitimately big. He he's a true six five one so he, he's going to go through a lot of smaller players he's like this year he's turned a lot of past flashes of floaters and mid-range pull-ups into drip, off triple jumpers from three so that's really nice to see and then he improved his on-ball defense quite a bit this year and he's always been an impact team defender with his length and his size and his intellect and he's still done that this year and yeah another guy who i think works fairly well in atlanta because like i said another guy who can probably play with Trey and without I, I'm not a huge fan of his off ball game just because he doesn't really play off ball now and outside of spot ups he's just like not a very intuitive off ball guy but I think in in time you could become that and like that like d- defensively he's certainly a better fit than a lot of guys a lot of smaller guards with Trey because he can probably in time guard too and he's going to be I'd say at his peak probably a legitimate impact defender with with his team defense impact and which is what the Hawks need and like I said he can more than competently run the Hawks offense without 
Trey on the floor. I mean, more than Maxi, certainly he can, and more than other guys we'll talk about, he can he can run the Hawks fine with Trey off the floor for extended periods of time. I think that's a really important consideration too. Yeah, I mean Hayes is just awesome. Maybe lacks the ceiling of a guy like Lamelo or Anthony Edwards um, with his lack of um, top tier athleticism, but I mean he's a really really awesome prospect. And like I said, the, the fact that he's young and played pretty well in a competitive domestic league has been doing that for the last couple of years now. It was really impressive. So, yeah, Killian's a pretty clear top top two, three-ish type guy in this class. I do like him quite a bit as well. I'm glad you sort of talked about the way that he would fit in Atlanta. One thing that the Hawks – I don't know how much of this is lip service and how much of this is a real point of emphasis, but they keep talking about how they want to have Trey get better off the ball. And if that were to work and if Trey sort of embraced that, I'm not sure he ever will. We have not seen a ton of that. But with his shooting gravity, he obviously would be able to, if he could sort of master that off-ball game, it would be nice to have yeah. someone like Hayes that could play on the ball and have Trey um, sort of work magic off the ball if he figures that part of the game out. And you know, the downside of that is that Trey's so good on the ball that maybe you don't want to have him do that a lot. But um, there's there's pluses and minuses, but I think uh, Hayes would be sort of a perfect feeling option if that were to be uh, the case because I'm with you. The off-ball stuff is not really there. That's that's a big question, though. If, you, if you're a team like the Hawks, with Trey Young on your roster, you probably have to think at least somewhat that Hayes can develop off the ball because otherwise it gets a little bit dicey, I'd imagine. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I mean, having two like cr- high usage creators is possible. Like we've seen, like the Rockets have yeah. success with it. Um, but I mean, Killian's never going to be Chris Paul or James Harden. But let that, that adds a tangent. But yeah, I mean, like you said, <laughs> th- th- there are. Definitely going to be questions if he can't play off ball, but I think like as long as he's a competent spot up shooter, he should be fine enough. Um, off ball at his peak, which I mean is a long way. He's he's 18. I, I, I'm not sure he's 18 or 19 at this point. Um, he he's young, and he's really good. So yeah, he's just a good guy to. Do you last thing on Killian here real quick? Do you buy you know you mentioned the lack of first step? I think. There is some question about how athletic he is. I, I don't worry about that too much, but do you worry about that at all defensively, especially, especially you know, again, playing next to Trey Young, for instance, you would be, whoever, whoever's next to him is going to have some pressure defensively just by um, Trey's weaknesses and all that stuff. Do you buy his on-ball defense? I know the off-ball stuff does um, encourage me as well, but do you think he can kind of grow as an on-ball defender? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I, a lot of us in the draft community are like, lower on the value of on-ball defense. And it's yeah. not that like on-ball defense doesn't matter. I think that's like often like it'll get misconstrued as us thinking like on-ball defense doesn't matter. And like it, it no, that's not the case. What it is is one um high-level on-ball defense just isn't important cuz like it's almost non-existent. Like like yeah. no one's going to be able to consistently guard Luka and guys like even like some people like Trey and LeBron and Giannis. Those guys don't exist. And two from year to year, on-ball defense is is just largely inconsistent, and it's pretty easy to develop it if you're big and toolsy. And I think Hayes is toolsy enough, and like he's not like elite laterally or anything, but he's not slow. And he's so yeah. I mean, to a roundabout way of answering your question, I think he'll probably be fine. I mean, you don't really want him guarding bigger twos, but like, how many great bigger twos are there in the league anyway? And Hawks have like a guy like Cam Reddish to do that anyway. So, yeah, I was gonna yeah, say I, it helps to have Cam Reddish, think, who's already good at that right now. So yeah, I think Killian Hayes is fine. Um, I, I wouldn't be too worried there. I am with you, but people have asked me, so I wanted to uh, flip it and ask you. Absolutely. All right. uh, before we transition to Anthony Edwards, who is of course a local product, uh, I'll take a second to talk to you about the good folks at Echelon. 
To get fit in 2020, you have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon, and you can do it from your own home even during this crazy time. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, from busy moms and dads to first responders and elite athletes. Whatever your activity level, Echelon has something for you, and with daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym again. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. You'll love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, we'll give you your money back. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to learn about their limited time free Apple iPad and complete details of this exclusive offer. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N-F-I-T dot com slash L-O-N-B-A echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A echelon. It's your time. All right, Ben, we're back. And uh, Anthony Edwards has been a topic for a long time, especially here. Um, I think everywhere, uh, to be fair, but in Atlanta, where he is from and playing at Georgia down the road from here. Uh, a lot of people have had him at number one for large portions of the season. Um, when he plays well, it looks great. When he doesn't play well, it can be maddening, um, but you, are, you said you have him in this tier, which is obviously, uh, I think, consensus opinion. But what do you make of Edwards in general, uh, and how much should people worry about his uh, sort of sh- what I would describe as shaky efficiency at the college level? Yeah, um, I I would actually have Edwards atop my Hawks board if I were doing it, and that's for the reason that I really like the environment that the Hawks um, have for Edwards to succeed. And we'll we'll talk about like because I mean I'll give the short Edwards pitch i mean just like six five ridiculously strong crazy athlete um but, but just like and make some ridiculous shots but really crazy shot selection issues and his handle is bad and he doesn't get to the room nearly as much as a guy for a size and his defensive effort and gambling in the iq is just a mess at times but that's like been belabored to, to non extent that's nothing new but what, what i will say is i think edwards like general scalability and Portability off ball is under talked about and underrated, and that's why I like him a lot in Atlanta. He's like a really good cutter. That was the one thing he did consistently really well this year was cut. And I mean, he's gonna have he had plenty of opportunities to move off the ball and cut with all the space in Atlanta. I think a reason I like Atlanta for um, a lot of guys who aren't as great decision making is with with Trey and his his range. He he just opens up more space for for all of the other off-ball guys to work with and creates larger advantages than guys who can't vertically space the floor. So it kind of limits the decision-making stress that Ant will see in an off-ball role. And I think that's a big part of the reason that we saw like Cam Reddish started playing quite a bit better towards the end of the year. And I think that's the reason that his fit's going to work out pretty well long-term as an off-ball guy is that his – like decision-making issues are kind of mitigated because in Atlanta's offense, he doesn't really have to make tough decisions because he has so much space and time to work with. And I think Anthony Edwards is another guy who'd benefit with that. But obviously, I mean, the idea with drafting Edwards is at the top of the draft is that he's going to become this incredible on-ball guy. And I definitely don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. Like, the the shooting statistically isn't great. And, like, the catch-and-shoot numbers, the free throws, none of that is awful. None of it's spectacular. He's going to have to shoot spot-ups and pull-ups to hit his high outcome. But just given the volume he shoots at and the shot-making he showed, I have, like, a relative amount of confidence that he shoots. And I think 
it's just a good environment for him to to harness his skills and become that high volume pull up guy and high volume shot maker. And even if he's not that, I think he can still be valuable in Atlanta, which is important to consider, especially with a guy like Trey, because you already have your primary, which is like kind of a unique situation for Atlanta. Because I don't know if like there are any other teams really at the top of the draft who like have their primary set. I mean, just quickly looking down, like Minnesota, maybe um, no one else is, like has their primary. So Atlanta can look for guys who maybe can excel in other roles. And I think Edwards can, along with having that upside, can definitely excel in an off-ball role too. Yeah, I do like Edwards in Atlanta more than other places. At the same time, every time I watch Edwards, I'll just be candid, it, um, I will find something that drives me crazy about him. So it's oh, like... absolutely. Yeah, it's it's kind of a maddening thing where I almost want to stop watching him right now because uh, I feel like I was I was higher on him two months ago than I am now. And nothing's really changed. It's just that um, he does just does, he, he did little things in college that drove me crazy. And part of that is system as well. They relied on him heavily and I don't, I don't see him as a number one guy. And that's by far what he was in college. Like he was not give. I mean, there was, he was kind of let, they kind of let him do whatever, they, whatever he wanted to do, which is fine. And I get why they did that. But in Atlanta, which is what we care about on this podcast the most, obviously um, it would make more sense. I think um, you are not the only person that would have a number one on the Hawks board. I think I would as well. Um, part of that's just fit stuff. Part of that's that I think he'll be better as a, a non number one. And just, there's a lot to like there. Um, I have to ask you about his defense because his defense has been, a topic of conversation, um, I think, around Hawks fans and pretty much everybody as well. Because, again, when he's dialed in, it looks really good. And he's obviously a great athlete, power athlete. And when he's focused, it does look good. But then there are times when he's just, you know, kind of lost out there. So what do you make of him defensively? Because, you know, I know offense is going to get um, more of the attention. It's probably a more important piece of his game. But defensively, if the offense doesn't, doesn't necessarily pop to the 90th percentile, he could be helped by defense, but only if it actually works. Oh yeah, his defense is disastrous at this point. I yeah. mean, like you said, he's <laughs> he he's like really toolsy and like when when he locks in, um it's it's great, but 90% of the time he's not. And I mean just there's like so many he makes so many baffling gambles or will just miss like he'll miss rotations or he'll let guys go right by him and like like he doesn't forcefully protect the rim. Like nearly when I said, like I remember last year, I t- like I thought about this was R.J. Barrett. Like, like have you ever seen R.J. Barrett like rotate and make a forceful rim like contest? Oh, uh, probably not. I don't, it's not. Yeah. not his thing. Yeah. That's for sure. I don't think so. Like, and and, and that's kind of similar with Anthony Edwards. Um, to be fair, I think R.J. has improved his off-ball defense like a little bit in the NBA. I haven't watched this, that much enough Knicks to know, but I think, yeah, his defense is really concerning. Um, like I said, he's probably going to carry a lower load in any which matters. Um, and 18-year-olds are bad at defense, generally. Especially especially, especially when, when they're asked to do what he was asked to do yeah, on offense. So it's exactly. like, if you want to be charitable about it, you would say that um, he's never probably going to have the same kind of usage on offense, and he's not going to be asked to do that. And maybe that's part yeah. of it, but I don't know. It's funny, because like, Edwards is very much not my type. I think you kind Same. of have an idea of, what, of like, what, what my type is. And like, I'm very not into like these low-intelligence feel guys. But I think with, I mean, just with his, like, the pressure he can put on the rim and the, the difficult shot-making potential. And like, when Edwards like focuses, like he can like he can pass. Like he doesn't have to be um, an incredible passer to add value. He just has to be like not Zach Levine. That's yeah. kind of thing. Like like 
like if Edwards is Zach Levine and the Hawks get him, then like that's just bad. Then well, yeah, the fit stuff there. Up. I mean, yeah. on one hand, Levine offensively would not be the worst outcome in the world for Anthony Edwards. Oh no, but, yeah. but in Atlanta, right. that's not what they need yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. So yeah. you know, if if you told me that if you actually told me that Edwards went to a team that didn't have that guy and became basically the same as Zach Levine, that's probably a win, <laughs> but not not in Atlanta. That's yeah. not what you want from him. I um, mean. Yeah, probably not at number one, but like yeah, that's not that's what I mean. It's not it's not a great outcome, but I'm talking about what what I expect from him in that situation. Um, so I don't know. It's I don't want to be too low on Edwards, and I think uh, there's a reason why we both have him in the top three still. Um, but it is fair to point out that uh, I said the same thing in in roundabout ways too that he's not my kind of prospect that I'm gonna that I'm going to love, but he is very talented and very athletic, and in this draft. Um, you can see why people like right. him because he is really talented. So yeah, and I'll make this point again, like just to, just like a reminder is that like all these guys in this draft have considerable downside. Yep. Like, there's a strong chance Edwards just doesn't work out, and just at the top of the draft you're shooting for stars. And while Edwards gives you that, I think he also gives you more scalability than he gets credit for. So I think yeah, that's that's basically why he's at the top of my Hawks board, but and like number two on my normal board. So it, I, I mean, it's really like the same, honestly, but. It's just, um, yeah, situation and fit with Trey. It's just a more natural, like, he's obviously not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. That's what he is. And uh, yeah. it's not always that simple. But when you have Trey Young, um, there is some gray area with, with other guys. And speaking of one of those guys, your number one, LaMelo Ball. Um, LaMelo is uh, very good. I, I also have LaMelo number one. I'm not I'm not married to that right now. But in, in terms of my no, non-Hawks board, I have him number one at this moment. I also saw Sam Vazzini put him there on his updated board as of, what, yesterday or today. Um, that's becoming an opinion that's more prevalent, and you can definitely see why. Now, with that said, the Hawks fit is almost something separately. So let's talk about LaMelo the player, and then LaMelo the Hawks potential fit. Yeah, so LaMelo um, is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, just like 6'7". Uh, point guard, the best passer in the draft. I mean, what my co-host on Preps Pro, Max Carlin, says this, but like he genuinely invents passes. Like he throws passes that have never been thrown before, <laughs> and like like he's got the best handle in the draft. Like it's so so deceptive and tight, and he strings together moves effortlessly. And then like that, like his touch around the rim is awesome, and the threat and all of all of the pull up doesn't really go in at the moment. I mean, with his touch and the volume he shoots it, I have like a pretty high confidence that he'll shoot the pull up. I mean, like all of that is like sounds like an initiate like a high level initiator. But then Lamelo is just his frame is awful. I mean, like you, you've seen Trey Young. Imagine like a six seven Trey Young that's even skinnier. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he he grew late, and you could definitely tell. Yeah, like, absolutely. He's just kind of gangly. I, I mean, like, you always heard the stories about how, like, LaMelo never lifted weights until he was 17, and it shows. I mean, he's, like, he's so weak on both ends. Like, defensively, he just gets pushed by. Offensively, he's super contact-diverse with the rim, and he gets bumped off his spots. And I I think his burst isn't, like, bad. Like, it's solid. But, um, like, his lack of strength just really, like, his lower body and core strength really hinders that burst. It's, It's not good. Um... And again, and like I said, defensively, he's like he's like he has like I think he's probably instinctual, like, but he just never he doesn't his effort is so hit or miss. Um, you can tell that he's never played defense before, and I don't mean 
like he's never been good at it. I mean, he's legitimately never played defense for the NBL. Like at Chino Hills, they played like full court press. And yeah. then at Spire. Chino and Spire are his, are yeah. his two other yeah. places. And yeah. it's like, what are you going to do? I don't yeah. know. Chino, he played in the full court press. Spire, he didn't move for multiple possessions at a time. So this is the first time he's playing actual like basketball defense and that it shows. I mean, he's terrible navigating screens and understanding off-ball actions and making rotations. But like, you can see he's clearly an intelligent basketball player. And I think this the ceiling with him is definitely the highest for me in this class, just with like assuming he can develop physically. And I, I think he can. He has – I'm no expert, but he, I, it seems like he has the frame too. And at least genetically, like Lonzo is pretty – is pretty solid physically and like Lafar was kind of a freak at his age. So he's got good genetics and all, but yeah, I think LaMelo, like a guy with, if he can develop physically and the shot ends up falling, is like probably a really good player. And even if not, like LaMelo gets billed as this like boom or bust guy. And I'll make this point a bit of a tangent that most of the guys with high ceilings don't have incredibly low floors or as low as they think. Cause guys with high ceilings have multiple avenues to be great. And like, even if LaMelo, um, doesn't like hit his initiator ceiling. He's still going to be one of the 15 or 10 best passes in the league from day one, and he's still going to be able to create the pick and roll and should be able to shoot at some level. So there's there's value in that, anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I think his downside is overrated as well. Um, you know, the size helps with that too. Like being six yeah. six, um, with his passing and feel, you know, there, there certainly is a way, but it doesn't work at the highest of high levels. But I think he will be a pretty good NBA player, even if it doesn't work which is helpful. The defense is interesting. Like when I first started digging in on Melo, you know, six months ago, I would say for draft purposes, it really was like, oh man, I'm worried about his defense. And then you watch him and you could see when he does dial it in and I, I'm with you, it is very rare. And the way that he feels the game, I kind of just trust him to kind of know where to be eventually. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. And, you know, I made this point about Trey Young as well a bunch of times. I, I do think that Trey is smart enough to where especially as he you know, sort of gets used to his surroundings and maybe figures out how to play hard more often, I think defensively he'll be in the right place at the right time most of the time. The problem with Trey is that he's also small, whereas yeah. Melo is a legit, what, 6'6", six, 6'7"? Six, six, like, he's got legitimate size. He's not strong yet, but if he fills out some, if you, if you, if you know where to be at that size and you kind of know how to play basketball – there's only so bad you can be defensively. Like, I think he'll be okay. It's not going to be great, I don't think. But team defense-wise, if he figures out how to play and he is smart, I think I have some faith that it'll be okay. Yeah. I um, mean, to be fair, it's a pretty big if, like I'll say. Like, um, I'll be the first one to come out. Like, there's a pretty strong chance Lamelo's always terrible defense. But yeah. Definitely but a possibility. It with, is like, it With is his possible. size. And, right. And, I, like, room for development there. So Yeah, I think it is possible he's always bad, but bad is relative like he's not ever going to be as bad as trey young was as a rookie oh. on defense because he is six inches taller that's just honestly is it, that is an over, oversimplification but it's also not <laughs> it's yeah like it is but it really isn't like I, I mean besides i'm probably less like optimistic about trey defense i mean I, i'm at a point where like i'll see it when i believe i'll believe it when i see it oh yeah i'm, not, just, I'm like, not either it's just that you know you could already see that trey is better than he was a year ago and yeah. part of that's just getting stronger and knowing where to be. He's never going to be good, and everyone should know that. But there are levels of badness, 
And yeah. that's kind of what I'm getting into. Like maybe Melo is not going to be good defensively, and I kind of would bet on him not being good defensively, but he also isn't going to be an absolute disaster, I don't think. Yeah, there's a difference between like minus four and like <laughs> minus two or something. Yeah, like, whatever. Right. It's below, below average to ghastly is a is a big gap um, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I and think... offensively, the feel, I mean, the, the passing is just absurd. If, you, if, you, if people haven't seen LaMelo play, um, I think the highlights tell a story too, but his, his passing on a, on a regular basis is just, is just kind of obscene the way he sees the floor and feels yeah. the game. So, um, yeah. he's someone I, mean, I am drawn to liking quite a bit just on the offensive end of the floor. Yeah. I'm pretty sure like everyone's seen like the behind the back pocket pass like he had in that one game. I mean, he just does the most ridiculous things as a passer. And like, it seems like, like just with that playmaking, like he's going to add some value no matter what. And like with the Hawks, I mean, like, He's gonna be able to make decisions in a secondary role, hopefully, like next to Trey. That that's that would be the idea, and like obviously carry a little without Trey on the floor, but making decisions in a secondary role is something he should be able to do, um, at his peak at least. Maybe not like right away, but at some point. Yeah. So talking about talking about him with the Hawks just real quickly before we move on. Um, obviously the fit is not perfect in that Melo is best by far with the ball in his hands, and so is Trey, and then the defensive stuff too. With that said, I'm not crossing Melo off for the Hawks like I would with a guy like Cole Anthony, like, like you mentioned before, just because Melo is legitimately, the, I think, the number one prospect in this class. So if you get to the point where if you're the Hawks and you're picking like you know third or fourth and he's still there, maybe you want to sell him to the highest bidder and trade down still. But if, if, they, if they make you make the pick, I think you just kind of have to take him. But what do you make of how that would work if he got to Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, I think for like, I think fans would be disappointed because like for the first year or two, like it, it, would, it would be just ugly. not, it, it would be <laughs> ugly, especially defensively. I mean, oh my god, I, I like it would be hard to watch defensively. But, like, I mean, I would have a hard time uh, functioning on uh, most nights trying to watch and analyze yeah, those games. It's it's like you've seen Garland and Sexton, but like have you seen Trey and Lamelo? But no, I mean, I I think long term, like it's a pairing that theoretically can work. And like we talked about, I mean, he works as a guy who can play without Trey and when Trey sits. And I think Trey, I mean, obviously, Trey's off-ball value is very theoretical at this point as well. But like, there's no reason he shouldn't be, shouldn't be able to be, like, a pretty good off-ball shooter and, like, off-ball mover. Like, if he buys in, like, like you said, whether he buys in, that's up in the air at this point. But if he does, I mean, he should be able to do it. And I'm less certain of Lamelo's willingness to do that. So just two guys who can play off each other offensively. And I mean, like the Trey Collins and Capella pick and roll already going to be staples. I mean, uh, the Lamelo like Collins and Lamelo Capella pick and roll are going to be just as just as excellent. So it, it would be it would be a lot of fun. You would definitely want to stagger them uh, as much as humanly possible if you yeah. had uh, Lamelo on the roster. And and I do think slash hope that you could probably get more in a trade down than you than you would just take him. But at cer- at some point you have to just take him because because a Melo size helps, b Trey shooting helps, and you know there's other things you can get by with. It's not a completely disastrous fit even if it would be uh fun is the opposite of fun to watch defensively for a while but i think it would i yeah. think it would still work I, I would take edwards before him for atlanta right now um mm-hmm. would you take hayes before mellow or maxi before mellow uh if you were the hawks ah uh, me personally i'd probably go with Lamelo just because like i want the insurance of having a shot at like a real primary upside like, because I think Lamelo is the only other one that gives you that. I, I don't think I think he's got a pretty higher chance of giving you that than Hayes or Maxi. Yep. So I think it's having that insurance, like, like okay, this guy might might not be as safe, but 
um, there, there's a real chance he like develops into the a, a guy who can be one of the best players on a title, who can be like a really good offensive engine. So aside with probably not as, as natural of a fit next to Trey as Maxi or Killian, but I think his upside at like at picking like one or two or three would put him over the top for me for Atlanta. Yeah, I totally, I totally get that. If I were making decisions, even though I wouldn't expect Atlanta to think the same way in real life, that that's how I would do it. Yeah, there, there are there are factors beyond the eventual. I think that um, it would be interesting to see how that all worked, even like personality wise and like functionally, like. Trey, after having 30% usage for two years, you suddenly have this guy who is very famous coming in who is much worse than yeah. you right now and that's going to have to need the ball and all this stuff. There'd be a lot of dynamics in play. But I do think uh, that you know overall... I think Melo has very clearly for me the highest the highest upside in the class, like the actual top end mm-hmm. upside. So if you believe in upside in the top five, which I I think that's, that's probably you know for a good reason, I could see why you would do that. And I, I think he is a better prospect than the other guys would be. I think Edwards is just such a more clear fit that you would for me have to take Edwards ahead of Ball. But if the Hawks get the, like the, like the number two pick and Edwards is gone already. And they took Lamelo. I wouldn't criticize them for it. No, I would understand. Yeah. I, I would. I would certainly want to open up the phone lines and take and take calls. That's for sure. Absolutely. But, uh, if you if you told me that, that you were, that you were not allowed to trade the pick and you had to make it, I think Lamelo would probably be who I'd pick. But man, it'd be it'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could go like with any of those three guys, and I wouldn't really complain. I mean, I'd be I, I, I'd personally be all right with it. I totally get it. Um, all right, we're going to come back and talk more about the uh, the non-top four guys. Before we get to the rest of the podcast with Ben, here's a word from the good folks at my bookie. Sports have come to screeching halt with basketball bench and pitchers off the mound, but our friends at my bookie aren't going to let you get down. Stay sane and stay entertained with access to your favorite games like blackjack, roulette, slots, war, and more. It doesn't matter whether you're out or self-quarantined at home. The fun doesn't have to come to an end with MyBookie. They've also got you covered with a host of live casino dealers online. That's right. They have professional dealers at their tables live on site 24-7. If your favorite squad is sidelined because of the pandemic, don't even sweat it. MyBookie has partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wagers on virtual action straight from the court in NBA 2K20+. Plus, You can always do your part to expand your bankroll by taking advantage of the shifting odds on political bets. You can trust the industry leaders in times like these. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. Visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 150% bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 150% cash bonus on your first deposit. You claim those extra funds all the way up to $750. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You play, you spin, you win, and you get paid. All right, Ben, we're back. And uh, my next question to you that is beyond the top four guys is one that I alluded to before. And I think I'm not going to let you cite, I'm not, not going to let you cite Tyrese Maxey now because we know how you feel about Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> but if the Hawks uh, do end up either in a trade down or with a unlucky lottery and they land in that, you know, six or seven range, who would be the guys that you'd be looking for? I think Danny Abdia always mm. comes up in this conversation, um, yeah. but I think you're a little bit lower on him than some. Like, what, what do you make of that whole range yeah. for Atlanta? I guess I'll talk about Denny first because you brought him up. I mean, I'm a little lower. I have him ninth, but that's still in like that fluid five through fourteen tier that like you could take him five, and I wouldn't really like. I'd be like, that's a good pick in a certain context. I mean, Denny Abdia is certainly a good prospect. I mean, quite good, in fact. Um, the the things with him, just the shooting. Even though like the like the results have been pretty good, 
this year and like the mechanics aren't broken or anything um just the free throw percentage is so off-putting and just historically the, the the history of guys who shot that poorly and had like positive shooting careers it's like og and anobi like aaron gordon and trevor reason like endless of guys <laughs> who shot as worth him like so like out of quite a few so i i'm skeptical and just not being a great athlete i think i like denny a little less because i'm a little less sure of his off-ball fit without the shooting um I think he's a better on-ball passer than off-ball passer. Um, just in, in his role, I mean, he's a fantastic passer. I mean, incredible outlet player. He's going to kill in transition, um, can make pick-and-roll reads. I'm, I'm less less confident in his ability to play make off-ball and, like, really create for himself. So, But, like, I do like Denny quite a bit. I don't want to understate that. He's, I mean, just 6'9", guys who can pass and dribble like he do. And he's, like, not – like, he's pretty good on defense. I mean, he's – the length and the athleticism hurts him, but he's a really smart shooting defender and he's aggressive protecting the rim. So, I mean, he's a, certainly a good prospect, but not one that I'm like super duper excited about. And I think there's guys I'd prefer for Atlanta at that range, even though like Denny certainly wouldn't be a bad pick by any means. Yeah, I think if you just looked at like just mock drafts that are out there, even from people that I think are smart, I think Denny would be the guy who, if you told me the Hawks were you know, he, if he was still available at six, he would get mocked to the Hawks a lot, I think, which makes sense. I think he does a lot of things yeah. well. I, I agree with you on the shooting. That's the biggest question that I have with him. Like, if he doesn't shoot well, the upside is very low. Uh, not like, I mean, I don't know. Upside being low is interesting to talk about. But um, I, I think he could still be a good player. But him being like a like a high-end starter without without at least solid shooting seems difficult for me to get to. So, I don't know. It's, he's a player that I like, but you have to think the shooting is going to be at least solid, if not better than that, or it doesn't mm-hmm. really work in the way that people think it's going to work. Yeah, I am in agreement there. Okay. Um, beyond that, and beyond Maxi, like okay, in in this scenario, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause it to you right now. You're the Hawks. The your, your top four guys are already gone. That includes Maxi, um, and the Hawks are picking fifth. Um, where do you go? Because I know that you have two lead guards in that range that I, I think the Hawks probably can't take at five in Cole Anthony yeah. and Kyra Lewis. So yeah. what happens then if you're the Hawks? Like it's not Denny yeah. for you. I don't think so. Who would it be? It's kind of tough. It's, it's not, not a great spot. No, it I mean, isn't. <laughs> I wouldn't be Denny. Um, my answer is probably Isaac Okoro or Devin Vassell. And both of those guys are fairly polarizing. A core I'll start with because, like, it, it's funny because he was like this like draft Twittery gem. Like, like uh, Mike Gribbenoff was like the guy, the first guy, as he always is. Like this, this Isaac Coral guy should not be like 40th per RSCI. Atlanta, and, Atlanta, Atlanta's own, by the way. Yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. Um, AOT, Mikichern, uh, he's he's awesome. Um, and now like he's like top three or four in the mainstream, and like plenty of smart draft people have lowered on him it's like late lottery or even lower i'm probably still on the higher end of draft guys like draft twittery types and i think it's because like i just tend to value i think shooting less than my valuation others not to say shooting is unimportant because shooting is like totally crucial but especially with the core like looking at the total package i mean i'm really convinced by the package uh, aside from the shooting i mean we'll talk about like he's six five six six super sturdy not like the longest but he's probably the best wing passer in the class for my money makes like legitimate tough reads and manipulative passes 
and like hits live dribble skips to the corner, like stuff that like wings don't do. And like he's a really legitimately good slasher, awesome finisher with touch and strength. I mean, and then defensively, like everyone knows. I mean, he, he I don't think he's as good as maybe I thought he'd be coming out, but like super, super strong, impressive laterally, like smart team defender. And I think he's a guy just like playing the odds game. Like I think the odds that he develops a spot up and becomes like a top 40 player in the league are a lot greater than the odds of like say Denny of Deja developing a pull-up or like Anthony Edwards even like reigning in his decision making so just because I mean spot up shooting is like shooting is not easy to develop like I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not trying to make that point but it's easier <laughs> yeah. definitely not and but it's easier than something um like handling or decision making for sure and I think with Okoro's just overall package um, it's. Re- I think it'd be a strong bet for Atlanta. I don't love it as much for Atlanta just because the Hawks uniquely kind of need guys who could shoot. Because I think outside of like Trey and maybe like DeAndre Hunter, well, it didn't like nobody shoot like thirty percent from three or something like that. It, it, it was bad. Those numbers are wrong. No, but, it, it was basically that they yeah. only had four guys on the roster, and I'm talking on the entire roster. Like, and that's. All season long, with roster turn- turnover, it was Trey, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, and John Collins. Everybody else was like thirty three percent or lower from three. Yeah, exactly. So okay, yeah, that's, that's what I thought. I mean, so yeah, yeah. The, the Hawks need shooting, so like maybe even if I like a Coral like, more in a vacuum, I'd go away from him just because that's the team with such a stark need. Um, so maybe then I look at probably Devin Vassell, who's got. The much more solid shooting projection. Um, he's like a pretty good free throw shooter. Has shot spot ups. An accomplished spot up shooter is like a really good, underrated, difficult shot maker. Like he hits like really tough long twos consistently, and he's got a really high release, and he gets into a shot well. Like uh, inversely of Okoro, he's a pretty underwhelming passer, and he's just a and he's a really poor athlete and decision maker. So those are the issues. But like I said, um, for Anthony Edwards, I think Atlanta offers kind of a a, a, a nice environment for worse decision makers to thrive just because their decisions are generally going to be simpler with more space on the floor and less on-ball responsibility. And I think Vassal's going to guy who's going to shoot and I said best, best team defender in the draft. I mean, um, just ridiculous. He's six, seven, fairly long, incredible anticipation makes all the plays you could ever ask for. Um, I think like you could say maybe he's kind of redundant, with Cam and Hunter, even though, like, Hunter, I don't think is a very good team defender, and Cam is, like, good there, but he's not, like, close to vast level, and having, like, that many big portable wings is a good thing, and, like, just, it's really hard in this range, because, like, I, like, you just, I just can't justify taking Kyra, like, because he's just no, not going to defense. I, I can't do it. Like, Cole Anthony, maybe, I, I think Cole is a little underrated on defense, honestly. I'm actually pretty positive on his defense, but still, like, it's just not a risk I want to take with Trey. Not at five. I mean, no, if, if, Cole, no. if, 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 they, if they traded down and Cole like randomly slipped yeah. to like 12, then sure. But yeah. I think it's like, just tough to yeah. justify. Like basically you're hoping for a third guard because you can't have those guys be your primary backcourt. I don't think. Yeah, it's just I would. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like take Cole for quite a few teams at five. Yeah. Um, Atlanta's not one of them. Yeah. So I, maybe Vassal is probably the guy. I mean, like the, the other guys in that range I have are a Kong Wu. Um, even if I was higher, I don't want a third big. Not interested. RJ Hampton. Um, maybe, but again, kind of similar, kind of like similar concerns to Edwards, but not as good. Probably like you can do better. I think, um, Halliburton's a guy a lot of people like in this range. Um, I definitely think there's merit to the idea that Halliburton can be like this connective third guard for the Hawks. 
But I, I'm just not a fan of him that this high, just because I really worry about him offensively outside of the passing, like and the spot up shooting. Like he's just so skinny, and the rim pressure is really worrying, and the frame overall is worrying, and the mechanics. But uh, I'm not a big Halley guy. It, yeah, th- it's a tough spot, a spot that I'm thankful that thankful for the Hawks that they're probably not going to be put in because they're going to have one of the guys that are better on the board for them or the option to trade down. But I, think, I actually think they yeah, might not, I, they might not. Though. I, I mean, assume. If, if, Maybe you, not. if you, if you did the, if you did the lottery right now, people are going to hate to hear this, but if you did the lottery right now, they are just as likely to be picking five or later than they are in the top four. So it's yeah, like, it's, it's tough. And I, I think the moral of the story here is that it's not a great place to be, especially, especially yeah. for the Hawks in that five, six range, because there are guys that in a vacuum, would be better there between the, between the league guards. I, mean, I think I'm higher on a Kongu than you are, but obviously the Hawks can't really justify that based on what they've done recently yeah. with their roster. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys who you might like that are bad fits with the Hawks, and there are a couple guys like I agree with you on on both Devin and Akoro. Like those guys are good players. I like both of them. I think particularly um, Vassal or slash Vassell. How are you? How, 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 I, I can't decide how to say uh, it. It's Vassell. It's Is it Vassell. Vassell. Okay. I'm, I'm, I might have said Vassal. It's just a bad habit. It's, it's one of those things. I did the same thing. So it's definitely Vassell. I think uh, he's another one where I think he fits well. I think I'm I think yeah. I'm just kind of underwhelmed by the upside a little bit of him. But at the same time, yeah. there isn't a ton of upside uh, in the range yeah. anyway. So I don't know. There's lots of different options. Yeah. I would be okay with any of those guys or Denny. I think that was well all makes sense. But at the end of the day, I would want to move down. I did see a mock. I, can't, I think it might have been Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated. Uh, mocked Halliburton to the Hawks. In like yeah. the five range, and I would I would not like that. I, I think Halliburton no, I, is interesting, and I think you, know, you could yeah. certainly argue that offensively, Atlanta would be a great fit for Halliburton because yes, he I, because he's not a league so. guard. He doesn't like he's good off the ball. Like his spot ups are pretty good. I just worry about like you know defensively and how much upside he really has. He's just he's such a weird player, which is something I see on every podcast. But man, it's weird. Yeah, um, Halliburton's weird. Like I said, like there are smart people who really believe in him. So like if if they took him at five. Like I, I wouldn't be thrilled, but there's there's worse pits, and like you said, um, Halliburton would be the worst fit. Um, I'll bring up one more guy, like who's in, like in my range here, a guy that a lot of people probably haven't heard of, and that's uh, Leandro Bolmaro. I was gonna ask you about him, so let's do that now. Yeah. So I think he's like kind of picking up steam recently. Like 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 you'll see like one person like me or maybe like Max or Jackson Frank will post like a clip or post like clips of some prospect, and then like for the next three days it'll just be like everybody talking about that prospect it's kind of a funny phenomenon that's like been consistently observable but uh, that's beyond the, beyond the point yeah Bomaro. um yeah very, pretty unknown even like espn likes him quite a bit i think they have him like in your top 20 so like he's certainly not like off the radar of the no. mainstream and i'm sure i'm sure like i know for a fact that there are certain teams in the league that like him quite a bit yeah, Bomaro is this like this six foot seven point guard type, ridiculously good passer, super manipulative, passes with both hands. He's like, um, I-, I can't remember who it was uh, on Twitter. Like, I saw the pr- the perfect monitor is like just like l- like he's he's like Leandro try cool stuff Bomaro because like he'll just like do these random behind the backs and they'll work. And he's just such a fun prospect. He is a really awesome ball handler, one of the better ball handlers in this class. He's like a freakishly good defender too. He's might be the best 
guard point of attack defender in the class. I'm probably overlooking someone, but at least at the top, like of the good guys. Um, his feet are ridiculous navigating screens, and he's so smart as a team defender. Just the questions with him is he's kind of skinny one, and the shot is a big question. The, the numbers have never been good, and the mechanics are pretty inconsistent. But like he's a guy I like quite a bit in this range. And like I honestly think it could be kind of a good fit in Atlanta because like he's a guy who definitely can play next to Trey if he can shoot. I think at least in like in the recent he plays for uh, I should mention he plays for Barcelona's B team in the ACB. Um, he's Argentinian, played for their FIBA team, plays some games for for the main Barca team, and I think his mechanics look quite a bit better now than they did like in FIBA in the summer. Like they look much smoother. Um, but they're still inconsistent, and that's still a worry. But if he shoots like a guy who pa- guys who pass and dribble like that are rare and especially like in, in Atlanta's situation his lack of like maybe high end burst or strength is not going to be as serious of a flaw because he's not going to be having to create his own advantages as much because he has trade to create advantages for him like I said is like we've been talking about over and over is the blessing of the situation Atlanta's in so yeah like and then Bomaro works defensively with Trey too because he's like if, if he if he packs on muscle he's going to be able to guard twos like probably can guard twos at this point because of just how ridiculous his feet are and just a really smart team defender. So yeah, like kind of crazy because I'm sure many podcast listeners like to this won't have even have heard of Bomaro and if they have, <laughs> they won't know anything about him. Yeah. But like, like I- I'm telling you, I'm planning on having actually something on Bomaro soon. So check it out for that. But then yeah. we'll have content. Have, you know, have, I'm sure you always have content. I will have content on Bomaro soon whenever I can muster the the will to actually put it together. But yeah, like Bomaro's great. Um, I don't know how he's actually gonna go. Like I said, but like he's a guy who I think like probably not five range, but someone no, but who if, like, if they were to trade no. down, it could be another no. name. If they were to trade down, like like late lottery trade down range, like Bomaro is like a guy I'm going for. And quickly to say, yeah, ESPN has him 23rd on their best available, so like he's certainly on like on the radar. So. Yeah, he's I've seen him uh, in a couple of first round mocks recently, and he's uh, interesting. Guy, someone I need to watch more of for sure, and I will now. Yeah, be, super fun. I will not be prompted to do that because you just made me do that. So thank you for that. Yeah, man. giving me all homework of you, on the podcast. Yeah, I'll give all of the listeners homework. Go watch. <laughs> uh, there are two names that I think people are probably wondering why we haven't talked about yet, and you probably know where I'm going here. Two guys who are mostly mm-hmm. top ten mock guys that we have not discussed. Part of that is the Hawks being the Hawks. Part of that is that I'm lower, and I, I know you are lower on both these guys, um, and they are Obi Toppin and James Wiseman. So. Yeah, let's get this out of the way now. Wiseman, I think people understand why I haven't talked about him a lot because the Hawks just don't need a center. But even beyond that, um, what do you make of Toppin and Wiseman, and why are you lower on them than the consensus? I'll start with Wiseman because like it's the simple one, and yeah. like I don't like mean to rag on Wiseman because like it's not his fault that he was like the top RSCI guy and projected as this like player that he's not. Like that's not his fault. Um, but yeah, like Wiseman is just like he's big, and that's it. I mean, he, he's big and he can really move in the open floor, but that that's kind of where the positives end besides like being 7-1 and massive. And I guess that's, the, there's some merit for like being that toolsy. And I guess like there's a reason he's like still in my top 25 and not like out of the first round or like mid-second for me. Like he's really toolsy and he's young. So like there's some baseline there, but yeah, he's offensively. He just doesn't really have any skill. Um, pretty horrid decision maker. Can't shoot. Um, can't really pass. Can't really dribble. Um, he's probably going to be an okay finisher just because he's massive, but like nothing like, I mean, he's not going to be Giannis there or like <laughs> Mitchell Robinson or something. I don't know. Um, or even like John Collins maybe, but, um, so uh, defensively, like he has stone feet, um, in the pick and roll, like especially in Atlanta's case, like you want, like you're big, 
Like, like, like if you're getting a big, like they better be a versatile pick and roll defender, like given Atlanta personnel. Um, like James Wiseman can't guard and switches heads, switches hedges or drops. Like he just can't, he can't turn his feet um, and drop coverage, hedging. No ways he can contain any guards. Switching, not a chance with his with his feet. I mean, he's theoretically has some has some rim protection upside because, like, like I said, he's massive, but he jumps at everything. And I mean, I'll, I'll say like. The development curve he showed is somewhat in, in, intriguing because I think he's definitely a better player, at least in his first couple games, despite the competition that he was in in AAU and EYBL. Um, but yeah, Wiseman is just like, especially for the Hawks, like he shouldn't even be on their radar. And I, 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 I would I, imagine that he's not. I just I just want to make sure yeah. that people don't think we just forgot about him. Um, but no, yeah. I mean, as soon as, soon as they traded, I, I was a little bit worried, honestly, in like January, um, if they did not make a trade for someone. Yeah, that they were gonna, you know, even pre Drummond rumors, like it was basically the options felt like they were gonna either trade for Drummond, which was on the table for a second, or they were if they didn't do that, they were gonna be the team that maybe draft maybe draft Wiseman in the top five. And now that they've done the Capella thing, they're just not going to do that. So I'm not worried about it anymore, but yeah, I wanted to make sure I at least brought him up because people yeah. obviously are listening to this podcast for Hawk stuff and also draft stuff in general. So, um, yeah. going on to Toppin, Toppin, I think I've actually seen some people, um, without naming them talk about how Toppin is a good fit for the Hawks. And I'm baffled by that. Cause I don't see that in any way, shape or form, especially if you assume that Collins is on the roster because he is, um, I, I get it. I, I sort of get it. I still wouldn't do this, but I still, I sort of get it. If you assume that they're going to trade Collins, which I am not assuming by any means, but if you assumed that, then I, I, I get it more, but I still wouldn't be in love with it. So there you go. Yeah. And um, I, I think I know who the person you're talking about who likes his fit, like a certain smart person whose opinion, like I trust who likes Toppin. And I think it's a merit to that. And I think I'll start, like, I think I know who you're talking about. Won't, won't name names, but I like Toppin, at least offensively, like theoretically, I think it's better than a lot of teams. Cause I mean, Obi Toppin is certainly quite good offensively. I think that's, Pretty, I mean, it would it would certainly work case. if the Hawks didn't have yeah. John Collins, Clint Capella on the roster already. Right. Which is, that's <laughs> the, yeah, that that's the issue. Um, is having two bigs and like Obi, like like can you play the three offensively? Like probably not. Can you play the three defensively? No, definitely way. not. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I guess I'll like I'll be positive. Like offensively, like he's probably going to shoot. Um, probably the best finisher in the class too. Like I said in Atlanta, I like I worry a lot about it. I, I worry about his self creation, and I think. A lot of his offense not being self-created and not projecting that is why I'm lower on him. Besides being besides the defense in Atlanta, he would get the opportunity to be like a play finisher and a close out attacker, and he'd be good at that offensively, no doubt. And then the yep. passing, like the Hawks, like don't have a short roll passer with Trey, and that would be like a huge value add. And I think Obi, I think that's the argument I've seen a lot is Obi for Obi and Trey, because theoretically, like as a pick and roll duo, as as a pick and roll duo, Obi and Trey is awesome because. I mean, the, the Hawks just like need to get value out of the most value out of a guy with the range that Trey has, like a, a guy who's going to be doubled in every pick and roll. Like you see Steph and Draymond, obviously Trey, Trey's not Steph, but uh, one of the few guys with legitimate range out to like 30, 35, 37 feet. And he's also uh, guarded like that. Trey is yeah, guarded yeah. like he can shoot from there, which is the thing. Yeah, exactly. And like the, that's the important thing. And so he needs he needs a guy who can be able to make a decision off the short roll. And Collins is, like, certainly not there yet. I mean, he's shown he's shown strides, but he's, like, not there yet, and I doubt he ever will be. Capella's definitely not that. 
Obi certainly could be that. He's a very good short roll passer, just a great passer in general. So like offensively, like in a vacuum, like Trey and Obi, like yeah, sign me up. I think that's I, cool. I agree with you on that but, for sure. But like basketball is not a vacuum, and Obi Toppin is going to be competing for minutes with John Collins and Clint Capella. Certainly don't think he's going to be better than either of those two guys. Um, like mostly because of the defense, which is just totally disastrous. I mean. He's like he moves like he's injured because he's hunched over and he's so, so slow laterally. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't mean to laugh. That was that was I have not heard that one before. That's pretty funny to me. Yeah, um, that's not mine either. I I, I stole that from one of my smart friends, but too um, probably Max or Jackson or Zach or one, one of those guys. Who I'm sure you'll have on eventually, but um, yeah, I, he moves like he's injured, gen, like genuinely. Um, he's so slow. Um, even though like he's like a really good example for like athleticism is more than jumping. Cause like he can jump out of the gym, and cause like everyone's seen the like the the in game three sixties and like the in game th- between the legs, like that's wild. Yep. And he can definitely get up, but he can't move laterally, and that's just so important for bigs in the NBA. Like I said, you want versatile pick and roll coverage, and he can't do any of the three at a high level. I mean, he could, he he should drop better than like Wiseman because he's long. long. I mean, he he can probably contain enough, but like I said, not a guy you want. Especially like uh, a guy who, if you're getting defensive, if you're drafting him, you're, you're drafting him because you can hide him defensively, and the Hawks cannot hide Obi Toppin defensively. Strong and, agree with all of that. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. Even if you want to tell me that your grand plan as this as the fake Hawks GM is to trade John Collins before before you have to pay him and get value for him and replace him with Obi Toppin, um, I, I don't love that plan anyway. But even if you told me that, that's your plan. I just don't think it's ever going to work on defense. Like I was famously low on Collins' defense in the draft and during his first two seasons in the NBA. I think he made strides last season and was not disastrous on defense anymore. I think he's not. He certainly has weaknesses. But uh, Toppin, I think, is as bad or worse than Collins was in college defensively. At least Collins was like a very good athlete all around. Yeah, I mean, and Collins, Collins' tape in college was so bad defensively, and I will never leave that point. It was terrible, and I think people got mad at me when I said that, but it was it was really bad. But, <laughs> like, Toppins, is, it's just as bad. I mean, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Plus, he, plus, he's older. Like, they're almost like, the same age right yeah, he's now. he's a senior-aged player, and, like, like I like Toppin is dominating college basketball, yeah, but like he's 22, he should be. So yeah, I mean John John Collins and Obi Toppin are you know within six months of each other age wise, and John Collins just averaged 20 and 10 on elite efficiency in the NBA. Um, I don't think that Obi Toppin is going to come in and do that. I think if Obi Toppin ever put up a season with the numbers that John Collins did ever in his career, that would be a yeah. win. Um, so yeah. it's just, it's interesting to me in a lot of ways. I'm not trying to kill Obi because it was, he's kind of, it's kind of ironic. Like, you know, six months ago, if you had Obi, Obi Topper in the lottery, you were, um, seen as being crazy high on him. And now right. yeah. he's like, if, if you, if you don't have him in the top five, people think you're hating on him. It's like, no, he was an awesome college player. He should have been the national college no. player of the year. He probably is going to be, but that doesn't mean he should be a top seven pick. I just don't see it. Yeah. It, it seems like, like. Obi's one of the guys like I've had like I've had him in this like I'm 17 I've had him in this like 20 ish range like the whole year and like I felt like there was a point where I was like the Obi guy I was like oh yeah like like Obi's good like he's a really good offensive player like he's like I'll take him in the top 20 and now like like I saw a mock this morning with him at number one and I'm just like what have we done here no I mean there's there's this movement and um I think I don't know if I don't know if I, I don't I don't know if I saw that one, but there there are people that think he just should go in the top three like default, and I, I just I, I get it if all you if all you are putting out there is that he was an incredible college player. Look look at his numbers, like okay, I get that, but you have to think about how it's going to translate, and I, I don't see 
I, I see the offense for sure, like you said, like I just said. But I don't, I don't, I don't see how you can watch him on tape on defense and think that's going to translate to the modern NBA. Yeah. I just don't. I and don't like, see that. Like, like I think there's a case for like quite a few teams like taking him in the lottery and like being like like I'd be okay with that just because of like oh, the yeah. offensive fit. For sure. But like, like Atlanta is certainly not one of the teams that can afford to deal with Obi defensively. Like it's just not like you already have Trey. And Trey to worry about is just like the baseline. And John Collins is improving, but he's less than spectacular. Yeah, so, you need to have I'm, a really good defensive center at a minimum to put next to Toppin, and also also a pretty versatile player. Ideally, like it's kind of hard to find the perfect defender to place with Obi Toppin, but it isn't going to be what the Hawks have with Trey Young at the point of attack. Like it's yeah, just you put like Draymond Green next to Obi Toppin. Yeah, prime Draymond would be great next to Obi Toppin. And then, yeah. and honestly, if uh, it's kind of funny, I've. People have been coming around this sort of a non sequitur, but people talking about how Obi would be a Warriors guy and how that's been kind of reported to be out there a little bit. Um, yeah. it, I, I sort of get that more because they have Draymond Green. If you assume Draymond is still Draymond, then sure, if you want to put the put him in the best possible situa- situation for him, put him next to Draymond. But that's also, you're basically saying that he's going to be a center. And I don't know, it's interesting to me. Like, yeah. yeah. Put him in, if, if you want to place him in the perfect situation on a title-winning team <laughs> and tell me that it works, like, okay, cool, that's fine. But um, even then, they don't run pick-and-roll that much. So you no, could yeah. talk me out of that, too. I don't know. Too much OB I for mean, now, probably. Looking at OB, like, 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 like if OB's going to contribute to a title-winning team, like, he's going to be, like, a high-volume bench scorer who's really efficient. And, like, there's something to be said for that. Like, that that's valuable. Like, he's probably one of the few guys who's, like, who could legitimately hit, like, 30 like 30 usage like or maybe not 30 but like 25 30 usage like on like above average true shooting no he could but, he could uh, certainly post yeah, like if you told absolutely. me Obi, Obi made it made an all-star team or two i would not be surprised because he's the numbers right. are going to be there that's the thing about Obi. like he he if you if you play him enough i think he's going to put up numbers and he's going to do it efficiently it's just that you have to try to factor that into a context where it works on defense and doing both of those things is just hard. I mean, I mean, it's not impossible to do. He might, he might return value, but you have to just acknowledge where his weaknesses are. So, yeah, yeah, and Obi is like good, but just like especially for the Hawks, just not yeah, somebody who can afford to to really get there. Yeah, I agree, and obviously that's uh, probably more than, more on top of that I will do in general. I think pretty I think pretty much everyone understands that he's not a great Hawks fit unless you move on from Collins, and even if you do that, there are challenges. So. Alas. Okay. Um. We'll go away from the top guys for a second before I let you get out. We, we've we've been going for too long, and you're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to talk you into coming back. So we don't, we'll uh, we'll cover more ground later on. <laughs> but um. Before we get out of here, um. I'm gonna ask you a couple of quick quick hitters. Uh. We talked yeah. about a couple of guys here, but if if for instance the Hawks were to trade down and, and landed a landed a pick that's in that like late lottery, or like maybe 15, 16 range. Is there a guy that we have not talked about that you think would be a good fit for the Hawks um, that wouldn't be a good fit in the top seven, but would be a uh, sort of a reasonable investment in that mid in that mid first round range? Huh. Um, other, other than Bulmora, who you already referenced. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll talk about Josh Green. I like Josh Green a lot. I can already hear Andrew Kelly pumping his fist of uh, Peter's fame. <laughs> Andrew yes, loves Josh Andrew, Green. Yes, Andrew is a great guy. Um, he also loves Josh Green as he should. Um, Josh Green's Josh Green like is another guy I like quite a bit in Atlanta as like this like tertiary like off ball wing type. Um, I'm really high on his defense. I think his defense is really good. Um, he's like outlier good closeouts, which I think is an underrated important thing. Really smart team defender. Can move his feet. Awesome. Strong. 
offensively, I buy the shot just because the free throw is really good and like the touch on floaters was really good and the runners was like surprisingly good this year for a guy who like didn't really shoot well on those coming into to school or to to college and then like all all of a sudden there's this guy who's hitting runners like a pretty good clip. It was pretty surprising. Yeah, he shot 39.1% on runners this year, which is quite good for a guy in his role. Um, like I said, like he can really pass the ball. I think he's like even though like I'll I'll have to go back and watch it more because I like at least anecdotally, anecdotally to me he's seemed like a really like a really solid like pick and roll decision maker like in the limited possessions he had there uh, synergy numbers starkly disagree with me so I could be wrong there but I, I I like him as a passer buy him as a shooter like pass dribble shoot guy I know like those are Schlenk's kind of guys oh yeah. Um, yeah, um, even though like the shoot is questionable with with Green, so maybe not. But like I buy the shoot pretty 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 well, and like just I mean sure like Josh Green is not going to be like an All Star type player, but I mean he's a like a really safe bet to return value as like a top maybe 60, 70, 50 guy at his peak. I think just with really strong defense, um, he adds a ton of value without usage. Really smart decision maker off the ball, should shoot, should be able to attack a closeout, maybe run a pick and roll. So this is like a like for, for the Hawks guy who's going to defend, make good decisions. It's a guy you want in that range. Yeah, I like I like Green to a bunch. Oh, I was going to ask you. Um, I have a whole list of things that we'll come back oh, to because you and I get going yeah. uh, all the time. But um, this is one that I will sneak in here now. Uh, you are you are far lower on Sadiq Bay than I am. So talk me out of Sadiq Bay because I like Sadiq Bay and you do not. Um, I'll say like I don't hate. I'd probably hate, hate Sadiq Bay less for the Hawks than a lot of other teams just because the there shooting thing. Um, like I, I he can I, shoot. I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not a Bay guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a big fan of Sadiq Bay. I know you're um, not. That's why I'm asking. Cause, you talk me out. Yeah, because I mean, he can shoot, but I'm not sure what else he can do. Um, I'm pretty low on like his. He's not really athletic, I don't think, and I'm uh, I worry about his creation. And he like he can definitely pass and move the ball, and he makes good decisions. But I like I doubt that passing is really going to be like super functional, given his creation skill set. Defensively, like like he can't move on the perimeter. Like he's like it's weird because he like he's not like the worst laterally, but he doesn't slide. Like he just runs and chases, which makes him super vulnerable to um like the change to change the direction and like being pushed back on drives as a team defender like um just like generally unimpressive to me instincts like aren't like terrible he's not like lamello or like rj hampton there but like he's not special and like like, like i said i think like a popular trope is like six eight shooting wing and like that's the thing a lot of people value and and, and rightfully so i mean like sure. big wings who can shoot have value and i'm certainly not going to deny that and I think, like, especially in the Hawks context, he's a guy who could come in and contribute. And the Hawks really need guys who can, like, play above, like, replacement level. Um, <laughs> yes. And like, shoot the especially. Need, yes. Right. The Hawks need NBA – the Hawks need NBA players who can shoot. And Sadiq Bey is probably that. So I don't think I'm going to talk you out of Bey here because, like I said, like, I have him, like, in the 40s. Um, if the Hawks took him, like – if the Hawks somehow got a pick at the end of the first and took him, like, I wouldn't hate it. Just because I think he fills a lot of needs, even though I don't think he's that great. Um, and he, I just he was probably with, the one guy with, that uh, we have the biggest split on, so I had to make yeah. sure I snuck that in. Yeah, there, which was I'd fun. go with other guys, but yeah, I, I just worry about everything but the shooting. Pretty I, much, I, I um, actually get what you're saying too. I I think I like his defense more than you do, but it's not a uh, not a lock to work to be sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's I mean, he's like shoots and like he's he's tall, so like and the Hawks like shooters. I like like. like He's a very schlanky guy. Like he, is, a, he is pretty schlanky. Like, I agree like, with you. Like on that. Sadiq Bey is like 
like like I would be surprised if he found a way to make him a hawk. So like, yeah, listen, I mean, I, I wish just for content reasons and just the, thinking it's a good idea. I wish the Hawks would trade down and have two picks in the first round somehow, because that would be yes. a lot more fun for me on the podcast. Cause right now they have a projected pick in the top seven and then they don't pick against until 52. So like, there's like this 30 player tier that I, I just have no reason to talk about <laughs> on this podcast. Cause they're just never going to have like the Hawks are just never going to be able to draft Sadiq Bay right now or someone like even Josh green or someone like Aaron Neesmith or, I don't even know. Xavier Tillman. Like, all, all these guys that I would like to talk about more, the Hawks just have no chance to get any of these guys. Um, unless they make a trade, which they, which, they, which they certainly could, but alas. They could do that, yeah. Um, all right, before I let you get out of here, give me your favorite... Maybe you can give me two or three, but um, the favorite guys <laughs> that you think could get to the Hawks at, at 52. Now... Every caveat possible that the Hawks might trade that pick or sell that pick, but they have it right now. And I know it's really hard to figure out who, who might who might drop that far, but I think you you see enough content around the internet to think to give me yeah. some sort of uh, some sort of projection of who might be available when the Hawks pick. Well, like you talked about Tillman, so like like I, I know Tillman's a guy like most smart draft people have high. Like I, I have him as like, like a clear first rounder, but if he was like, available I, there and, him... and they passed, I, yeah. I would lose my mind. He's, oh he... my god. I think like it's not like totally impossible. I mean, it's not. Like, I agree. It's Tillman's not. like this. Like I mean, I'll quickly talk about him. This like this this big that's like insanely good at everything except shooting, which like is kind of a theme. But like he's I mean, awesome, awesome ball handler. Like he's really so good. He's, he's so, so good, good at basketball. Like especially once you get into late. For I, I I tweeted this the other day, but you know he's he's one of those guys that one of the good teams that pick in the twenties because they're good teams are gonna mm-hmm. pick him. And he's, you know, it's going to be January of next year and he'll be a rotation player on a good team. And people are like, oh, that guy's pretty good. It's like, yeah, awesome. He can play. <laughs> uh, it's going to drive me crazy. But yeah, no, I'm with you. I think he is someone yeah. who is not likely to get to the Hawks. But if he did, no. uh, my, my two favorite, you know, squint hard enough, maybe they get to him, guys, are him and Killian Tilly. But I talk about Tilly on every oh, podcast. Yeah. So every single episode of the podcast, I think right now, has Killian Tilly in it, which I appreciate. Yeah. So I'll try to, I'll try to talk about some guys that, like we haven't talked about on the there pod before. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I know Spencer talked about Tilly. Tilly's awesome. I always do. So it's not just Spencer. I, Tilly yeah. was a guy I had in the first round after his freshman year. Yeah, and he's I, now a se- he was yeah. he's now a post senior. So. Yeah, I, I mean <laughs> it's, like, it's sad. I mean he was insane as a sophomore. Yeah, um, he was awesome, I, and he came out like came out last year. He did work out in Atlanta and got hurt. That's when he got hurt again last year and pulled out of the draft. When he actually got I hurt forgot in about Atlanta. That. Yeah, I interviewed him right after. He was like, "Oh yeah, I rolled my ankle." I'm like, "Oh, that sucks." Oh. And then he pulled and then he pulled out like a week later. I was like, "Oh, maybe that's why because he hurt his ankle again." <laughs> so anyway, that's that that's quite the shame. Um, maybe Atlanta's not the spot for him then. I'm not sure he would have gotten to Atlanta last year anyway, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe he's maybe really, maybe he maybe he would have been the Bruno Fernando trade up pick that they actually used. He's so he's so good. I mean, yeah, he's so fun. All right, um, sure, I'll, I'll give you um a guy who I'm kind of baffled to see like in this range in a lot of mainstream mocks and boards, and that's Jeremiah Robinson Earl of Villanova. Um, he's like this um six foot eight big comp combo big. Who's like not a crazy vertical athlete, but he like is good at everything. He's like probably gonna shoot spot ups because he's a good free throw shooter and his mechanics are good. He's like an, he's an awesome passer, um, makes good decisions. Could probably fill some of that short roll void um, for Atlanta at times. Um, can can handle a little bit. Um, despite his size, he's like a quite he's a quite good finisher. Um, like like he's technically good and he's got touch. 
Um, defensively, he moves super well on the perimeter for his size. He's a really smart team defender. And like I said, even though like he, he often doesn't have the vertical talent to to get like lots of blocks, he's always in position and contesting. And there's something to be said for that. Yeah, I mean, just a guy like like if you can get him like in the 50s, I mean, like he's just so good at basketball that like like as like you said about Tillman, like guys that are just good at basketball but maybe like lack traditional athleticism are always underrated. And Jeremiah Robinson Earl is really, really good at basketball. And, like, he has lots of, like, translatable skills, too. Like like I said, the shooting and the handling and the passing and a lot of the defense. So just a guy who's good, like, who can, like I said, be a be a, an NBA rotation player um, for the Hawks and potentially more. So, yeah, JRE um, would be awesome. Don't know if he's going to actually stay in the draft. I say, but, is he, he going to pull out? I think he's a guy that, like, yeah. is a prime pullout candidate yeah. if he's not getting um, the good feedback. Yeah, I think... If I were to guess, I'd probably say he goes back. Maybe not because of how strong next year's draft is, but um, I mean, I don't think he. I guess he probably doesn't stay in. But if he does, I mean, right now he's in, so I'll, I'm counting him. Yeah. If he stays in, um, like get get this man, get him. I like I like I like him too. I need to watch him a little bit more, but uh, yeah, he does strike me as a guy who I know people like yourself are much higher than than I see consensus stuff on. So maybe he's just one of those diamonds in the rough. Those those guys usually uh, tend to perform reasonably well. So yeah. Um. Oh, I was gonna ask you about one more guy specifically, and I can't remember who it was. Oh, there it is. Um. <laughs> this is not a guy who's gonna get to the Hawks, I don't think. Um. But I have to because this was topical because he 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 declared for the draft yesterday. Um, I need your thirty second takedown of, of, of Isaiah Stewart. I don't want to be mean, um, but yeah, like Isaiah Stewart is a guy who's like, like like I say, like I I'll, I'll say this a lot. Um, big men in the NBA who like big men are just really replaceable in general, especially ones who don't have any special skills. Um, and Isaiah Stewart falls right into that. I mean, he's like six eight Enos Cancer. I mean. He can't really move on defense. He, he like he's strong and long. He's got that form for him, and he, he like he shot free throws well, and like he can he like he's like an okay post score, but he like, he has no notable offensive skill, and he's like not gonna be great at defense. And like just those guys who like are super replaceable backup bigs. Like you can find G leaguers or like Euro guys who can fill that role. And what's a guy like is it, is there like a decent chance Isaiah Stewart is an NBA player? Like sure, like like Isaiah Stewart could be like an NBA player. Like why not? He, he could be a backup big. But like that that's just not a guy you want to invest draft draft capital in at least based on my philosophy. So yeah, yeah no, it was, I, I was. I knew I, I made a note to bring it up to you after uh, he declared and uh, the announcement came out, and someone repl- someone uh, added me right afterwards and was like, "Would would the Hawks uh, be interested in this guy?" And I started yeah. laughing. I was like, "Wait, w- with with which pick would the Hawks be interested in Isaiah Stewart?" Because um, obviously he's not gonna. Um, as much as I I actually kind of agree with you that he should not go very high. I think he's one of those players. And so is his teammate, by the way, Jade McDaniels. Um, those guys are going to go higher than people want them to go. That's just Absolutely. what happens in the NBA draft. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and McDaniels is a guy who like, I've never liked very much, but there, there is mm-hmm. a point where he falls so far that you just take him anyway. Cause he at least has yeah. the theoretical tools. Um, this, he's not good at basketball right now, but um, you know, mm-hmm. there's a reason why he was a top 10 prospect coming out of high school. He probably shouldn't have been, but there was a reason no. why he was. Anyway, yeah. Um, let's see. That's probably enough. I've I've grilled you. I'm, I I need to save some yeah. meat on the bone. I'll give you one more name. Yeah, give it to Can me. Give you one more. Sh- shall I give you one more name that I'm kind of fascinated with Absolutely. at the moment? So, um, I'm trying to think of someone who probably hasn't been talked about on this podcast. That's um Tyshawn Alexander. 
Creighton did declare. Wait, no, hasn't declared yet. I don't he know. He's not he will. declared. I actually looked at. No, it's funny. I looked, I looked about him today, and he has not declared yet. Yeah, I saw like there was a, like some guy like because I, I'm tracking all the early entrants, and I look every morning, and some guy yesterday like made like an April Fool's post about him declaring, and I'm like, who cares enough to April Fool's Tyshawn Alexander declaring? <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah, I probably doesn't declare. Want an excuse to talk about him anyway, and I, I'm on a podcast right now, so I might as well. Um, six foot five, combo type, um, special lateral defender. Like, I think the the anecdote that I've gone back to is like in their like latest matchup with Seton Hall, where he just shut down Miles Powell all game, chasing him around screens on isolations, and like that doesn't happen to Miles Powell, who had like had a very down year scoring wise, but he's still like one of the better like off ball shooters and scorers in college basketball. So he's like crazy good defense, laterally chasing on screens on the ball, smart team defender, really great there. Then he shoots the ball well. He can shoot pull-ups, spot-ups, off movement. Um, good shooter, can pass the ball in a secondary role too. Um, not like a great finisher because he's like pretty skinny and not the greatest athlete, but just like a guy, like a 3 and D combo guard type. And those aren't like super valuable, but like he might be outlier good defensively as a mover. Well, let's like he, he's a guy I want. So like honestly, like he's a guy who like if I were a smart team, like I'd promise him in the second round. Like it, like like if I were the Hawks, like and if I had the fifty seventh pick, like I'll be like, hey Tyshawn, if you're there at fifty two, I'll take you. Um, actually, I don't know if that's the smartest thing because like some like top twenty guys are definitely gonna fall to fifty two. I was gonna say something something weird will happen and like Xavier yeah. Tillman will get there at fifty two right. and they'll be they'll, they'll be in trouble. Perhaps I won't want to keep my promise like the Bulls and take Chandler Hutchinson at like twenty. <laughs> so. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Tyshawn's awesome. Gonna be really good. Gonna be really uh, a good value next year, probably more likely. But yeah, Tyshawn's cool. Um, I, I'd like him if for the Hawks um, or like any team in the second round, really. I, I yeah, I, I like what I know of him. I do need to watch more, like just from an NBA draft standpoint. I, I found myself not really realizing that he was going to be a thing when I was watching college basketball for my college basketball stuff, and it's like, oh wait, that guy might be interesting. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a guy I need to look at um, a lot more. My my favorite like non Grand Slam like non Tillman non Tilly non Paul Reed guy for the Hawks at fifty at fifty two might be somebody I don't even know like Desmond Bain. What would you say, Desmond Bain? Oh yeah, I mean Desmond Bain has been a. Uh, that's what I was gonna guess you were gonna say. Yeah, everybody loves Desmond Bain now. I was uh, exactly. Uh, I wrote about him first in our Peachtree Hoop series because I was like, you know, I'm just a guy that people don't know about that I think people like yourself have like as a first round pick now. And I get why yeah. too. Like I understand like normally four year guy at TCU does not normally mean first round pick. But if someone took him out at like 28, I would be like, all right, that yeah. makes sense. Or your guy who's younger than Obi Toppin, by the way. So that's not surprising because uh, there are yeah. multiple guys in the Hawks roster younger than Obi Toppin, including Trey Young. <laughs> yeah. Obi Toppin is yeah. older than Trey Young right now. And Obi Toppin is like a day younger than Jason Tatum too. So, uh, yeah, that's one, one of those. Two. He's basically the same age yeah. as Jason Tatum, which is funny. Um, who was yeah. like? Oh, it was it was uh, my, my guy Scotty Lewis is who's going to ask you about. Mm. My, uh, Scotty Lewis and Aaron Scotty Lewis and Aaron Henry. They're very they're, they're two very different players. Um, but they, I find that they're usually like in the forties and fifties for, for people right now. Um, Lewis is just weird and fell fell a long way um, on draft boards for good reason this year. And Aaron Henry is like the biggest enigma in the world and that Tom Izzo like hated Aaron Henry. Um, so it's like you couldn't figure out what to do there. But I, I like both of them more than people like them. So maybe one of them will be available. What do you think yeah. of those guys? 
Um, I'll start. I'll start with like positivity because like I'm I'm with you. I'm also an Aaron, Aaron Henry guy. He's like been around thirty for me this whole year, and he's not moving. Um, Henry's really good, even though I like he definitely had a, a, didn't have a great production a year production wise, and like he's weirdly in Tom Izzo's doghouse a lot of the time. So was Aaron um, Jackson, to be fair. Yeah, so. yeah. Wait, wasn't Henry like the guy who was like notably like screamed at by by Izzo last year? Like, you remember that video? Uh, yes, like, that, that was Aaron Henry. Yes. Izzo, yeah, that was Aaron Henry. So there's and then and then this year he that's... just kind of didn't play at times yeah. for Which some is, reason because like Aaron Henry's really good. Like, yeah, I think he's pretty Aaron, good too. Like, it's like the shooting like isn't awesome with him, like at six six, which is kind of an issue. But, like, besides that, like, he's really good. Like, Aaron Henry is, like, a pretty awesome passer for a wing. Like, he's a notably great dump-off passer. Um, he can handle pretty good finisher. Um, definitely right-handed. Definitely right-handed, even though he's a lefty jump shooter. Um, it, it's not that he's, like, ambidextrous as a finisher. Like, like, he goes out of his way to finish with his right. Like, he's, like, opposite. Like, he's, like, Keontae Johnson, if anyone gets that reference. Um, basically, which is funny because he shoots jumpers with his left. But yeah, like like Henry is like really good offensively and defensively. Like he's not super disruptive, but like he's really strong. I like his point of attack defense a lot. Um, like he's solid as a team defender. I mean, just like as like NBA loves wings, like wings who can shoot, like who can pass and dribble and hopefully shoot. I mean, it's like seventy percent from the line. Not broken mechanics. Might shoot. I mean, hopefully shoot spot ups because I like him quite a bit and I'm rooting for Aaron Henry. Like, 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 like you are. I'm just like a really good basketball player and someone who like, it's a shame because like, like at the beginning of the season, I swear, like he took on like some more creation. Like he, he kind of was good. And like, like when he's had the chance to take on a higher usage role, like he's succeeded, but like he just doesn't get the chance. Um, especially this year. So yeah, I, I like Aaron Henry. Honestly, I could see him end up being like a four year guy. Maybe even like a guy who transfers. Just because of the situation, which would be a shame because he's really good. I wish I he would declare before he transferred. That would be – yeah. I, I don't want him to transfer. Yeah. I want him to just, no. just declare. Just go to the draft. No, I, I think, mean, Yeah, just just go. I'll take you in like the late first. I mean he might, he might be – Henry might, might be a guy that like has a Terrence Davis thing where like he yeah. he falls Absolutely. to like 45 and it's like don't take me and I'll just go wherever I want. And that's the other yeah. thing about the Hawks picking in the 50s maybe is that – I think more agents are going to do what Terrence Davis did and just say, don't pick me. We don't want to be picked. Um, that's been happening for a while now, but I think that got a lot more attention yeah. this year and for good reason that Davis was going to be picked by someone and they did not want to be. So they talked yeah. them teams out of it and it worked out obviously <laughs> for, yeah, for well, him I mean, I'll say like Ter- Terrence Davis, I feel like it's kind of an outlier there because he was he just like, obviously really good. Like I think like all of the smart draft people had him top 20 because he was just Definitely of like a very good basketball player, and like he was one of the better rookies this year because like it was just very clear that he's good. But like 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 Aaron Henry's not as good as Terrence Davis, but like he's also a sophomore and he's quite good in general. So yeah, I mean, could be a guy like that in the future. I think if he if he declared, he's probably like a second round pick, which is something. But yeah, yeah. no, Aaron I'm not saying you should good. like. I just wanted to get out of Michigan State because I don't think it's gonna ever happen there, and I think yeah. he will be a uh, functional NBA player. One yes. day, hopefully. Um, and I still believe in Scotty Lewis. So, Scotty, oh. stay in the draft, fall to the fall to 52, go to the Hawks, <laughs> and we'll see what happens. Even, even though he can't shoot, which is kind of weird. But Yeah. Uh, all right, Ben. We, we've gone way too far. You've given me a lot of time. Um, I'm still going to ask you to come back later. But because, by the way, as much as we just talked for nearly 90 minutes, I have several bullets that I was going to ask you about because uh, that's what happens when we talk about the draft. We just start going long. But, yeah. 
I'll let you go, yes. but um, please plug yourself, man. You got a lot going on. We talked about the the, the podcast, so I know you're writing different places and you're covering sure. Zion and all that stuff. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, so I'll plug myself quickly. Uh, yeah, pot new podcast, relatively new. Uh, prep to pro, um, NBA draft podcast. It's been really fun. Just general draft stuff. That's weekly, bi-weekly. So, um, if you're interested in the type of content we did today, you'll definitely want to check that out. Um, I'm just doing various writing content too. Um, like, I'll, I'll I'm starting to do draft reports. I did one on RJ Hampton. I'm gonna have a con- content in some form. Might be might be video form. Hint hint on Leandro Bomaro. Um, in the near future. Um, writing about NBA guys occasionally. Gonna start doing that a little more. Um, yeah, just lots of content for me in the near future like you know especially being home having time not really any excuse to not produce content so um look look out for quite a bit for me so yeah just follow me on twitter um at ben underscore pfeiffer underscore to not miss all of that so yeah follow ben and uh yeah i've uh, i've been consuming all of the content so far i will continue to do so and uh i have no idea when the draft's going to be and neither do you but oh my uh, god no i can uh scary i can guarantee as long as ben says yes we'll talk about more draft stuff <laughs> on this podcast again before <laughs> the draft action happens i'm not, i don't know when it's going to be but um this is not a draft only podcast but it's going to be a draft heavy podcast for the next several months so dial it up folks we're, we're here yes, for a would love to be back on i'll say that right now <laughs> uh well thanks ben um as for everybody else please subscribe to the show if you made it this far thank you for listening and we'll see everybody next time